Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast Tech Stack Edition. I'm Eric Dick. Today we're going deep with Richard Harris, CEO and founder of Black Crow AI, a machine learning platform that predicts every visitor's likelihood to buy in real time as they shop. Richard has been building business intelligence tools and working in AI for close to a decade and is an absolute treasure trove of information about this wildly interesting topic. This interview focuses on the insane value of the first party generate with every site visitor that you probably never use, you'll learn the best steps to take once you have the predicted lifetime value of a user, how you can use it in your ads, how you can use it in your segmentation, and lots more. We'll also learn why machine learning algorithms are self-sharpening and why that's a good thing. You'll also learn why Facebook says just go broad and maybe why you should do a little bit more than just go broad with your ad campaigns these days. You're going to learn how to gain 25% better efficiency on your Facebook ad spend in this awesome interview with Richard Harris from Black Crow. Hope you enjoy it. On with the show. If you can just know those two things, this person's 60% likely to buy, this person is 0.02% likely to buy. If you could know that future value, what would you want to do differently? Almost everything, right? Like, I want to market in the future differently to people who are very likely to buy. I might want to adjust my offers, merchandising, my free shipping policy. If I have a customer service team, I might want to prioritize my tickets differently or the sales ordering or whatever it is. Almost every touch point that a brand has with its users, its consumers, they want to optimize in a way that reflects their future value. Once you have that intelligence at the center, there's just so many ways to unlock value. Richard, welcome to the D2C Tech Stack Podcast. Can you start by telling me why first-party data is like literal gold to D2C advertisers? Of course. So I think for a long time, many brands were reliant on an ecosystem in the sort of marketing technology world that enabled them to not really have to get their first party data house in order. So there were uh, all manner of data available from co-ops and networks and the big platforms and third party data brokers. And so it was reasonably easy to find ways to spend your marketing dollars without really taking advantage of, of this key asset you had, which was your first party data. Between the privacy landscape and changes in iOS 14, that sort of reliance on third parties is just no longer an option. And so first party and zero party data has really become an asset that if you're not exploiting it as a brand, you're really sort of not exploiting one of the key things that you own. And in particular, I think when you're trying to build a brand that has some level of customer intimacy understanding your customers is just so, so crucial. And in fact, most brands are sitting on a treasure trove of first-party data that they may not even realize is there. And we'll get into some of the specific things that uh, you know people can do with their first-party data, but I wanted to back up a little bit first and talk a little bit about your background. You've been working in the machine learning space for a long time now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I've been working in it since before it was even kind of really a thing or certainly wasn't getting the level of attention that AI gets today. But yeah, I've been working in in machine learning. I'm not a technologist, but uh, I work alongside some of the best machine learning and data scientists uh, in the country. Um, 
And in particular, we were working in at the sort of Fortune 500 level, so very large publicly traded companies who were, for the most part, building their own ML stacks. And that sort of world is very expensive and very talent intensive. And the way that world sort of works now is if you're a Fortune 500 company, you'll go out and buy, you know, a big tool like Databricks, which is one of the leading infrastructure, you know, machine learning infrastructure providers out there. You'll hire an army of data scientists and data engineers, and you'll start building your own. Those projects, depending on who you read, like the Wall Street Journal or Gartner, they fail between 50 and 80% of the time. But eventually, those big companies get there. And once you have machine learning in place, it really is, you know, and machine learning is really just making sense of massive amounts of information. But even outside of the sexy uh, things you may read about in the AI world, like computer vision and self-driving cars and robots, most of the value at the enterprise level is coming from predictions, right? When you can understand all the data your enterprise is producing and use that to predict the future of your key KPIs, the outcomes are just phenomenal in terms of revenue growth, time to market, pricing optimization, understanding your customers and your marketing. So all of those predictions are driving massive efficiencies and scale benefits for the Fortune 500. But the reason we started Black Crow is that model, that Fortune 500 model, that doesn't work for the middle of the market, right? If you're a DTC company with, you know, with 20 million of GMV or even 100 or 500 million of GMV, you're not going to go out and spend $20 million on an ML system with such a high fail rate. Brands don't always have access to the talent. It's very expensive and the Googles and Facebooks of the world are scooping them up. So walk me through a little bit of like what, you know, obviously predicting, you know, I know BlackRow predicts the future LTV of users based on how they sort of interact with your site, even within their first their first session. Can you like geek out with me a little bit about like what's actually happening when you put Black Crow on your site to, to get this kind of predictive data? So first of all, uh, you know, the, the whole mission of Black Crow is bringing that Fortune 500 level machine learning, that sort of level of predictive ability to the middle of the market, to, you know, D2C brands in particular is where we focus. And with a one-click installation, so we knew we had to make deploying these sorts of systems, not a $20 million two-year effort, but a click, uh, and that's what we've done. And really what, what we do when you press that button and install Black Crow, the machine starts listening to all of your first-party data, meaning the event data that's literally kicked off by a user interacting with your brand, with your brand's website. And when I said earlier that uh, many brands are sitting on top of first-party data that's a gold mine that they may not have even known was there. It is that first-party streaming data. So literally 100% of visitors to a D2C site are interacting. Um, their behavior on site, you know, how fast they're moving through your purchase funnel, um, are, whether they're looking at images and do they linger on some of them and not others, and are they scrolling deep in a page? Uh, are they refining their searches and their browsing? Are they coming back over time? All of that signal is very, very rich. And using that streaming data, and there's just so much of it happening in real time, when you can actually harness it, and you might not have even thought of it as usable data, 
but 100% of visitors and 100% of their behavioral and contextual activity with your brand, there's signal in there. And that's what our machine is built to do. It's built to tease that signal out and understand which sort of behaviors and actions are predictive of the thing you want them to do, whether that's buy or subscribe or repeat buy. And so that's what we do. After that first click, our machine listens uh, for about two weeks and it figures out what those signals are. And then in real time, 15 milliseconds after anyone does anything inside of your brand site, we're able to push back a prediction that tells you exactly how likely every individual is to buy, subscribe, or whatever your key success event is. And then with that data, what are people doing? Once they have this data of like, okay, this maybe cohort of users that came in from a specific source has very high, you know, purchase intent or, or LTV potential. What do you actually do with the data when you have it? So if you imagine your customers, if you're a brand and you have 100% of your visitors, and if you think about them in sort of 10% deciles, and today, if you think your conversion rate is 3%, that would mean you know each of those 10% deciles, each of those cohorts will convert at 3%. 3% of the time, uh, someone will buy something. 3% of people will buy something or subscribe. Now, once you have predictions flowing back to you, um, you know in real time that not all of these user, users are actually 3% users. There's a 10% cohort that's probably going to convert at 50 or 60%. And there's another 10% cohort that's going to convert at something awfully close to 0%. And that's now knowable in advance, which, you know, it just hasn't been uh, for marketers or, or for brands generally. And so when we ask um, our, our partners, our brand partners, like, okay, if you could just know those two things, this person's 60% likely to buy, this person is 0.02% likely to buy, knowing that ahead of time, what would you want to do differently, right? If you could know that future value, what would you want to do differently? And what we'll usually see is like a bit of thought. And then the answer is like this incredibly long list of things, almost everything, right? Like certainly I want to market in the future differently to people who are very likely to buy. I might want to adjust my offers, merchandising, my free shipping policy, maybe the way my page is arranged, what I'm uh, sort of merchandising at the top uh, of the page. Maybe even if I have a customer service team, I may, may want to prioritize my tickets differently or the sales ordering or whatever it is. But almost every touch point that a brand has with its users, its consumers, its future consumers, they want to optimize or at least differentiate or de-average in a way that reflects their future value. And so there's that long list. We have to prioritize, obviously. And today, I would say the vast majority of our customers are very focused on CAC, customer acquisition cost. And there, because we use only a brand's first-party data, the predictions we pass back are another unit of first-party data, which the brand owns. We don't own it. And because it's first-party data, it plays well with every platform, tool, software, workflow, anything. And so, for example, when we push our predictions into the Facebook pixel, we can just create audiences inside of the Facebook manager. And now you know you have an audience that will convert at 50 or 60%, another that will convert at something close to 0%. And you can now make differential decisions about if and how you target those different groups, what you want to spend on those different groups, what the CPM, CPA should be for those. And that just enables you to de-average your marketing spend according to the future value of users. 
which is exactly what Facebook doesn't want you doing, right? It's we, we talked about this on the panel uh, in Vancouver that we had, Yo, too. A lot of people right now are talking about, you know, the, the best option with Facebook is to go broad, <clears throat> let your creative do the heavy lifting, bring people into your funnel that way and convert them with kind of direct marketing. But you've got a bit of counter-programming to that, which is, you know, that it, it makes sense why Facebook wants you to go broad. But if you can be more granular and you can treat people on different terms, why wouldn't you do that? You're going to get better spend efficiency, I imagine. So listen, we love Facebook. We know it's a great channel. It's been a challenge to sort of scale and scale profitably for brands over the last say, year, year and a half. Um, you know, it does make sense. Facebook definitely wants sort of broad match, uh, go as broad as possible. And if you think about what their goals are, um, it's really about maximizing spend. And to do that, you sort of keep a brand's nose just above the water where it can sort of eke out uh, a small amount of profit or, or ROAS. Um, but other than that, you want as many dollars flowing into the system as possible. And that's made sense for them, especially in an iOS 14 world where, you know, audience sizes are shrinking. There's just fewer ways to target very effectively, even using your own, your own data. What we say is, yes, it's, you know, better than no strategy, but the much better strategy is to align your spending with the future value of your users. And now that you are armed with that, you should differentiate uh, who you target and who you spend based on this knowledge you have, which is your own first-party data that's just been processed by machine learning. I love it. And the other thing this makes me think of, we talked about in the pre-interview a bit, is what you can do with this data to get more data. Like once you have these units of data, which is these predictive LTVs based on people's activities, what's interesting to me is that you could get a group of your 50% purchasers, your purchasers that are likely to convert at 50%, send them a survey and find out that they just all love Downton Abbey or something like that, right? You could use you could use that information then to then further, you know, hone in your marketing to find more people who are going to convert at 50%. That's what's so powerful about this. Once you've identified these groups of high future value users, you can use other data that you own. Uh, some people bring in external data or even, you know, data from like Google Analytics to understand the demographic profile of these users. But what we find is, again, this piece of intelligence that machine learning generates, like understanding the future value and behavior of every single site visitor, that becomes a lens through which, you know, analysts or whoever's doing BI inside of these brands, it just becomes a very fundamental lens. You kind of want to look at every aspect of your business through, well, wait, when I say that this UX is working better, do you know that it's working better overall or do you know that it's working better for your highest future value users? And that's usually a question that people want an answer to. And so, again, because you can plug this intelligence in everywhere, uh, it's very, very effective. And we see it even in you know, trying to understand where are my highest value visitors coming from? Right. As many brands are sort of expanding the ways in which they acquire customers, the channels in which they spend, um, you know, organic and, and paid um, because you're seeing these future value predictions in real time, you can very quickly assess if you launch a new channel, for example, wow, uh, my TikTok volume is relatively low, but the future value of those visitors is extremely high. So now when I need to make the decision of where do I invest my incremental marketing dollar, you know, that might be a great new channel because the visitors coming in from TikTok are very high value. That's obviously not true for every brand. It, you know, every brand is different, but you now have this intelligence at your fingertips. 
Do your assumptions get audited? Like if, you know, as a user comes in and they're they're going to be an LTV, a high LTV user, is that checked up on, you know, years down the road or, or months down the road where they're like, yep, actually they did become a high, high value user? Yeah, it, it's actually checked up on constantly in real time. Um, it's self-sharpening, so right? Good ML is self-sharpening. It, yeah, that's a great way of putting it, actually. So um, first of all, in terms of, of sort of the auditability by the brand, we look at over time, we say, hey, this is a group or a cohort of 10% of your users or 30% of your users. We predict they're going to convert 42% of the time, you know, over the next month or whatever the right time period is. And then that data is just available um, to the brand, right? So they can actually see in their own systems how close uh, we were and, and the accuracy is extraordinarily high. And then on your second point about self-sharpening, yeah, we build a model. We build a custom predictive model for every single brand that we work with. And uh, the machine wakes up in the middle of the night and literally rebuilds that predictive model according to the, the most recent data. And so that's how you prevent something called model drift, which is when consumer behavior changes or there's seasonality in a, in, in a business, the model you built at Christmas may no longer be uh, relevant at Easter or some random day in February. And that's why you need to be constantly training models so that they are uh, continually uh, predictive at a very high level. That's, that's how Black Crow works. I brought this up uh, before as well, but we recently had a thing with our with our ads that were running for D2C where we were kind of making creative decisions based on data that we saw in platform based on, okay, this creative's working, this creative's not. We took, we audited that assumption using UTM fields recently um, and saw that we were very wrong. A piece of your first party data. A piece of our first party data. We used this UTM code and we started building our campaigns, not on the pla- on platform data, but on the platform data that our UTMs actually told us. And the results have been night and day in terms of, uh, conversion rate in terms of the quality of the users that we're doing. It's, it seems like it's like a, we're helping Facebook help itself, like where it's algorithms and where it's, it's audience, you know, algorithms are kind of, kind of off. If we can just say, no, focus on this, this is the real data. This is what you need to, to do. It's going to be able to give you better data based on its machine learning, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the, the finer grain inputs you can give to any of the platforms, the better they're going to be able to perform. And that's why, you know, I'm not back to that earlier discussion about Facebook and broad matching. What we actually see is that when we're able to provide much better inputs for, say, Facebook lookalike audience creation or even Facebook sort of, you know, their smart bidding that they do, brands end up being able to spend more in Facebook. So this is actually not only good for the brands. I mean, spend more profitably. Anyone can spend more money, but not necessarily at their CPA goal. When you use these predictions, you can spend a lot more at the same CPA goal you've always had. And so it's good for Facebook, too. So hopefully, uh, uh, you know, they will get there over time. But right now, um, it's a, a key way that brands can really have an edge. And OK, talk about that edge then. So you, you've, you've worked with, with lots of these big brands who've, who've implemented Black Crow. Uh, you've probably seen some cool use cases. What, what, can, what do brands expect to see in terms of efficiency gains, for instance, if they're, if they're to sign on? Sure. I mean, expectations are, are different all over the place, but I think in general, people are seeing Facebook performance sort of slowly erode, the scale that they're able to target erode. But in general, once you sort of deploy Black Crow, um, so literally it's one click, two weeks after that click, the machine will have learned and built a model. And then we just let brands use it for, for 30 days. So no signatures on anything, no money changes hands. It's just like, here's the model. 
It's all set up in your Facebook ad manager. Just use it and see what the lift looks like. And in general, there's sort of two or three ways that, that we generate value. The first is on retargeting where you can target high future value users. And there you can expect a 20 to 50% improvement in your ROAS. The second is in prospecting where you can create new lookalike audiences based on not just the past purchasers that you have, that 3% of users who have bought something, which is you know generally uploaded as a seed file. But now you can use, oh, I now have a seed file of say 30% of my users who haven't bought yet, but they're high future value. Let me give that to Facebook as well to build a lookalike audience. And there you can expect at your same CPA scale, another sort of 20 to 50% improvement in scale, right? In your ability to target net new customers and, and have them convert. And then the last one is sort of uh, more in the business intelligence uh, space, which is sort of how we um, deliver these insights in digestible ways. So some of it is about, hey, what channels are delivering my high value users? What creatives and ad sets are delivering my high value users? And so that becomes a really important piece of intelligence for marketers as they're making decisions about optimizing creative and, and the allocation of their marketing investment in different channels. And that kind of thing just gets sourced in a dash that you can kind of see high level when you log in. That's right. That's right. Very cool. I think that's a level, that level of like all the way down to the creative, which creative is, is driving it. I think people a lot of times go by campaign, they go by platform, but I think there's probably a lot more gains to be had in that actual creative optimization. The expectations that you set when you bring them into the funnel probably make a huge difference. Yeah. And that's especially true in social, right? You know, and different channels will have different social expectations, but you really can, there's a lot to be um, understood there. And always sometimes the very top of funnel metrics like engagement or clicks may or may not correlate to the thing you really care about, which is transactions or subscriptions. And so um, that's ultimately when we predict future value, we're predicting those you know, transactional outcomes. So you want to make sure that the engagement that you're seeing up front and might be excited about translates into financial gain for you. And so that's what we're, we're able to predict and align with your channel strategy. I think we've discussed this a little bit. We're actually working on our next big editorial publication on AI in marketing. Yes. And, you know, just kind of going through the research on that right now. And it's obviously an exploding field. I, I love tools like this that kind of put it in in more people's hands, this kind of stuff in more people's hands. But I'm just curious from your perspective, like, where do you see Black Crow going? Like, what other challenges? Like, do you think you're just going to get, you want to get better and better at the challenges you're already, you know, getting good at? Or or do you see like a whole field of other opportunities in the in the AI space? Yeah, it's definitely the whole field answer. So, you know, we're going to, for the foreseeable future, we're going to remain quite focused on e-commerce and specifically DTC e-commerce. But right now, you know, we're doing one prediction and mainly one use case, which is, you know, driving these future value predictions into CAC. Um, We already have a whole bunch of uh, beta products that are in the works to bring these same predictions into your SMS campaigns, into your email campaigns, right? So do you want to do something different for people very likely to buy versus those very unlikely to buy? For sure. And especially when it comes to offers, incentives, discounts, you may not want to be blasting out the same Memorial Day 30% off to everyone, right? You might want to incent a higher AOV for people very likely to convert and maybe a, a different strategy for people who are very unlikely to convert. So those are coming next. 
Um, we also have a bunch of partners who uh, are plugging our predictions into UX optimization and CRO conversion rate optimization tools. And there, you know, can you alter uh, in a way that's meaningful to the user what the experience is based on uh, on their future value? Um, there's a whole bunch of other things in the work, like how do you prioritize your customer uh, service queue, et cetera. But there's so many places. And that's just with the predictions we're doing today. We also have a whole set of new predictions on deck uh, because the, the core thing we do is really ingest massive amounts of data in real time, make sense of them in real time, and push those predictions back to the brands. And once you have that intelligence at the center, there's just so many ways to unlock value. I can see a world where you get you combine Black Crow with GPT for whatever it is with Dolly, and then you don't even need marketers. Then you just have you have you have computers <laughs> creating the angles, computers creating the copy, computers creating the ads, uh, AI determining its results, and then then we can just post up on a beach probably. <laughs> well, we love marketers, and and listen, like Google has been trying to put marketing agencies, especially performance marketing agencies, out of business for. 18 years now, and they're thriving, right? Because uh, there is always going to be uh, a role for human intelligence and human intuition in these things. We just like to support that expertise with the power of machines, right? Because so much data is being generated by brands every day from their operations. And that's just beyond the ability of any, any human to ingest. And so we consider this a secret weapon for marketers uh, more than a replacement in any way. And totally inscrutable otherwise. It's data that you would never g gain any sort of meaning out of otherwise because you'd have, you know, you could look at some session times and whether someone's on a page for a long time on analytics perhaps, but it's data that otherwise would just, you know, not mean anything to you. So I think it's a pretty cool application. If you want to get started uh, putting the machines to work and putting your first party data to work, you can go to blackcrow.ai. Any other suggestions for how people reach out, Richard? Yeah, that's the best way. You can book a demo uh, right on our website and uh, uh, someone on my team will be in touch. We'll walk you through exactly how it works. And it takes literally one click uh, to get started. And as I mentioned, uh, once the model is built, which there's no charge for, we just let our customers um, use it for a month and you have uh, dedicated support along the way to make sure everything is set up correctly. And then you just see the results for yourself. That's the way we like to work. And the applications that we put out on top of ML all need to show material P&L value in 30 days or less. That's our That's our mission. Doesn't sound like a tough sell. I, I imagine there are some readers out here, listeners who are who'd be interested in taking you up on it. You had such a fantastic showing at our live event. You were one of the one of the best panel guests. Oh, thank you. You, you drank tequila tequila with us in the evening. Uh, I just look forward to the yeah you know, the next time we can get together in person because uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. You guys, uh, I mean, your audience is sort of our audience, and they are so, I think, committed to what you guys are up to and what you put out there. So we're thankful to have you as a partner. This was a lot of fun, Richard. Thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.